0: Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, I chat with my friend, Lindsay Betzendahl from Health Data Viz. Lindsay is a Tableau Zen master, overall awesome person. And we talk about her journey into Tableau. We talk about some of the work that we've done together. And we talk about just a variety of things when it comes to data visualization. So I'm keeping the introduction really short and sweet this week. So here is my discussion with Lindsay. Hey Lindsay, how are you?
1: Hey John, I'm good, very good. Yeah, hanging in there? Hanging in there on this uh, little recording on a lovely Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully as refresh as like one can be.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, because it's Monday. So thanks for agreeing to do the show. We've been working together now, like not just like Twitter friends, but actually working together on some things for the last like six months, eight yeah. months, something like that. So that's been that's been pretty fun. Wow. Um, and I've learned a ton of tableau stuff from you, like. My my like big thing about Tableau is like the map projection and you were like, yeah, you just do it oh, this yeah. way. I was like, oh well that's amazing. Okay, problem solved. Um, so I thought maybe it would be useful for people to understand a little bit about your journey into Tableau. Um I get a sense that a lot of people, you know, didn't start their date or date of his career like starting in tableau but they end up gravitating towards it you know to it from some other way so i was just curious you talk a little bit about that and then and then how you ended up you know using it so much becoming so good at it and writing books and blogs and then becoming a tableau zen master like it's a pretty interesting journey i think
1: It, it is i mean i probably years ago wouldn't have expected i mean many of us i think say that like you don't Things happen. I always say things happen for a reason. Like all these things end up in your lives. People come into your lives. You develop relationships. uh, Your job changes or you're forced to change something. And somehow you end up at this place. You're like, wouldn't have predicted necessarily to be where I am. And um, like I said, it's probably true for many, but it it definitely feels true for me. I didn't have a trajectory of, um, A, even being in data visualization, like at all, or using data, I would say like, that was not my career trajectory originally. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, you, you probably know, but I started out, uh, getting my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. So I did, um, therapy with uh, youth and their families for many years. Um, actually doing in-home therapy. So I would go to people's homes. I would do the therapy Mm. in their living room, uh, at their school, Uh, wherever they lived, if they were placed at their home, all kinds of things like that. And really being like involved, like at the lowest level of being involved in people's lives. And uh, it was a, it was a tough, but rewarding job. Um, So I ended up moving out of direct care after a couple years and um, moving to a company that did more of the managed care aspect of it, but still having direct linkages to doing therapy. So I did, um, so I would more meet with kids like on hospitals and coordinate care with, um, providers to try to get kids into the, the right care at the right time for the right length of time so that people mm-hmm. weren't like dwindling on hospital units when they like really needed to go to a residential facility and try to do all this like coordination of care. Um, and it was there that I kind of got into the data. Like the, the organization, as many do collect a ton of data and healthcare data. Like, like there's so much of it. Like, you know, you go to the, the doctor or the hospital and they're collecting all kinds yeah. of information on you that they you know, keep obviously records of. And so it was there that I started actually like tabulating my own information. I worked with kids who were getting stuck in the emergency room. And so I would start, I started asking questions just on my own of like, I wonder what the average age like. Is it a certain age of kid who ends up stuck in the emergency room, or that's coming in on a Monday versus a Friday, or mm. how long are they there? What is their outcome? Do they end up in the hospital? Or do they go back home? Like, I was just curious, and so I started keeping track of all this for a couple months, and then I had no idea. I should have known, but I didn't. That the organization collected this already. Like all of this was put into a computer. Like I'm typing all this in anyway and saying. Right, win this day, and they came out that day. right? They had data for like this day. I didn't know. I never looked at the reports because <laughs> I was just do the work, not analyze the reports. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they have like hundreds and hundreds of reports. Yeah. Um. So I got really into just understanding and being able to like change maybe what I did based on understanding the data. Like you know, being more predictive of hey. I don't know, given all this criteria, this kid might be hard to move out of the ED because they're 13 and they're aggressive and the hospital won't take, I don't know. Like I was able to kind of think more when I had the data. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I ended up slowly, I think with anyone, you start kind of in your career, like making choices on, I think I want to apply for this internal position versus this one. Do I want to be a supervisor of the clinical department or do I want to move into the quality data department, which was, you know, would obviously get more into the data. And so like I started making these kind of shifts um, and choices um, and relationships of people who were more on the data side of things. And um, that's how it kind of got started where I was very interested in it. And the long story short is that once I found out what the reports looked like, Mm -hmm. um, I realized that we were not doing our best to use this data. Like we were not visualizing right. it well. Right. And so I was on the end of, I didn't even know we had data. And then when I saw it, I didn't know what to do with it. Cause it was all like just tables. Um, so once I was in the department that I could make actual change, um, I looked to find what was out there mm-hmm. that would help us improve. You know, I we could do so much more with it. So yeah, I found Tableau. And, um, at the time I wasn't in a position of like, Hey, like let's purchase this or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I was like a, what was called a network manager, like I, but I wasn't managing people. Like I didn't have any <laughs> decisions in the company, per se. <laughs> but, uh, you know, smart enough to say, well, you know, the way you get people to buy something or agree to an idea is to show value, right? So I figured yeah. out how to download Tableau Public, the free version. While I couldn't save anything and I couldn't publish it to Tableau Public because I was using data with PHI, I figured out that I could do enough at one time to keep my computer on and keep Tableau Public open that I could you know, <laughs> use our data and like, make charts and make dashboards and then show them you know, to some of my leadership and yeah. show the interactive part, which kind of blew their mind at the time. And this is back yeah. in like You know, 2014, um, they had never really seen like an interactive dashboard, particularly of their data. Um, And so it only took about six months of kind of me showing some of these things and being very vigilant in it that um, they agreed to purchase like, you know, a handful of licenses for um, some of the folks on the data team and start you know, building stuff out. Now at the time it was just like more static, not static, but we didn't have a like couple server. We just had the yeah. no licenses to so build some stuff, show some reports, show some value. And that's how I got started where I was kind of leading the charge just because I kind of came up with the idea and was passionate to make it happen and see it through.
0: It's, it's like such a common story that I hear yeah. is like, I was really interested and I tried some stuff out and then I showed it and I like people were yeah. like, oh, my goodness. And then like, yeah, it, it's, it's so interesting. So the data that they were sharing, I guess, was it just like tables in PDF format? They were just like mm-hmm. on some drive that nobody really looked at, but it was just like just like automatically piped out.
1: Yeah, so there were so many reports that people would ask for, and they would just, you know, either be like daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly reports, whatever, and they would go to a folder. Um, Right. Where you just have one after the other. And if it was your job to like look at a certain report, you would be pretty familiar with looking at this table. Um, Yeah. The problem is, like, you know, so, so yes, there'd be like one person who would really know it well, and they're like, oh, yeah, I totally find value in this. And I'd be like, yeah, but. Are you sure you're not missing something? Like how are you look like how are you really comparing all these numbers? These are huge reports. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because I was like, this is terrible. I wouldn't want to look at anything. <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> I don't know. Um, I just got really passionate about making it happen. And yeah, I think people started, you know, I, I think with anything, like if you are energetic about something, no matter what your mission or your value is, like people will feel that. And I think then believe in it. Right. Like, um, so, I mean, I just kept pursuing it and uh, the leadership around me were like, you've got a great idea. I mean, even my CEO at the time was just like, I mean, he would come to my desk, which was like rare for like the CEO. necessarily to do that, but he like, like, I want you to build this like report for me and kind of like, don't tell yeah. me right now. And I'm not going through the right channels, but I can do that. <laughs> and you're like, you're the
0: like, CEO, by the way, <laughs> you know? So
1: he's like, I can do it wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, it was like I love this so much. Like I want to make this happen. Like we need to like show this to our stakeholders and do more so that um, we can get it going. And people just really supported the innovative ideas and mm-hmm. made it happen. And it's pretty cool looking back because they're pretty grateful about it. Like
0: yeah,
1: they've come so far. But yeah.
0: So then, how did you go from you know basically learning Tableau, having this internal success with internal data? Yeah to more on the public side i mean i guess it's i mean i don't think there's any way to solve this but it's part of the tableau zen master program along with a lot of their programs that you really do need to be publishing stuff publicly yeah. which is I, the only way i guess they could do it right but i'm sure there are amazing people 100%. doing amazing work in tableau that their stuff never sees the light of right day the outside their organization so how did you you know how did you move or combine i guess the two probably
1: yeah, it is. You're right. It's interesting. I mean, I I sometimes feel like the biggest fraud, as I'm sure many do, when you know people internally, or you know people that are just not in the community who are just fantastic wizards at this stuff, right? Um, right. Yeah. So that's sort of the the nature of the way the Zen Master program is is definitely like a community based recognition program, is what they call it. Um, but to to that point, um, I had been using Tableau for like approximately like, four years before I ever kind of really started doing anything uh, outside of my organization. So gotcha. and, and part of that was I was definitely a consumer of the community in the sense that I looked on Tableau Public for ideas. I downloaded um, dashboards to learn something. You know, I checked the forums. Like, I definitely reached out because I needed to grow. Right. And so there are formal avenues to doing that, which I never took. I never took a formal like tableau class. So I took Mm -hmm. the informal route, which was learning from what everyone's putting out there already, the free stuff, right. Right. The blogs people are doing, um, you know, the visit the days I would look at the gallery and just, uh, look through it. Um, And so the more I did that, the more I realized that there was this community out there. Like, obviously, these were real people. They were doing this great stuff. Um, And I, uh, December of, I guess it was 2017, I'm going to 2018. I was on vacation in Vermont at my parents' house and had some time. And I was like, I guess I'll get on Twitter. I hear that's where people are. And I had gone to like... (laughs) Well, I was like, I don't know I've don't. i heard about
0: this know. new social media thing. I had already been, Twitter, I, but...
1: The funny thing <laughs> is I had apparently already had a Twitter account for 10 years and had never used it. Like, so I I was like, wow.
0: Early adopter, late user.
1: <laughs> totally. Like I literally <laughs> never used it. It's funny. Cause I'm like, it's like your 10 year anniversary. I was like, huh? I don't have like a single tweet. I don't even know what Twitter is. How many characters can I use? Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Like I totally don't understand. But, um, so I was like, I don't even know where I heard that. That's where I could find or connect to people, right? Because you kind of needed some platform to talk to the folks who are posting on Table Public. They're, right. Well, public doesn't necessarily have a you know a communication part to it. So yeah, so right. I started following some other Zen Masters, some other people that I just like knew in the community, um, names that were familiar, and um, I ended up getting involved in the Makeover Monday, which is a common story. You know, it's, it was, and for those who don't know. Uh, it's just a weekly data set that you're tasked with revisualizing hypothetically better and with more um, you know data <laughs> techniques of making it easier to understand there's often like really crappy um, visualizations that they try to yeah. do to say like this isn't really effective like do it better and that was a way for me not just to connect but to try to learn new skills but it really was how i figured out kind of Who's who, what's going on, where to connect, where to, who to reach out to. And, uh, you know, from just being involved weekly, regularly, um, I got very passionate about the relationships and the connections and the knowledge that people had. Um, Um, and so six, less than six months later, I started my own blog. Um, which again, was not something I anticipated. I wasn't thinking like, mm, I'm going to start a blog. Like this is my goal. Like, <laughs> I love writing or something. Like I don't right. <laughs> actually. But I was like, and it also wasn't because I thought, oh, I should write a blog because everybody else is. Like that's another, I think some people are like, oh, I have to write a blog to be X, Y, or Z or to achieve right. X, or Z. And I had no intentions of climbing any like illusionary ladder here. Like this was just, mm-hmm. I wanted to grow, I wanted to learn, I wanted to share. Like, I don't know. I just thought it would be an interesting exercise. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, yeah.
1: the hell do I start a blog? So yeah, I started a blog and then, you know, continued working, uh, connecting with folks. I started my own community data-driven initiative called Project Health Viz because, again, passionate about healthcare and really wanted to start promoting or helping stories of our lives. I was, I, you know, I had spent 15 years in healthcare and it was still important to me to be able to bring awareness of different healthcare conditions. Um, having my background being in behavioral health, I know the stigma of, uh, mental health and substance use. And I thought there's stigma around plenty of healthcare issues, that this was one way to just get people more involved in visualizing that sort of data versus like all the, you know, perhaps more lighthearted, fun stuff. Like, movie rating, right. I was like, you know, this, this stuff means something. And I see a lot more of that today um, where people are visualizing very difficult topics or, or issues and social, mm-hmm. social issues. Um, but even like that, five or six years ago, I saw a little less of that. So it's definitely like, I think people are more interested now in um, making change with what they're visualizing. Right. you know.
0: You mentioned um, earlier that you were, you use this word curious, that you were curious about taking the data in these tables and these PDFs and just doing a better job. And I, and I wonder for someone listening to this, who is maybe starting out in their data viz career, or they're just learning Tableau, or any tool, really, um, you know, like, where do you put curiosity in your ranking of how important certain things are when it comes to visualizing data? Is that like the most important thing you think is just to be curious?
1: Yeah, it's a loaded question because you probably yeah, it is. It's a totally
0: loaded question. That that's that's my goal with these podcast right. interviews. Just like, just toss it off and let you just yeah, right. Knock it, yep. bring
1: it easy. Um, no, one hundred percent though because you know, for one, I think you're you're most creative, right, when you're actually like curious about the work you're you're engaged with. So, um, I mean, I've certainly worked with clients that. I struggle to be creative and it's probably because I'm not interested or curious about it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But I don't think that that means you can't be curious, right? Like it could be a topic you don't like, but you just yeah. start to question and think about, um, I mean, I have some clients where I work with stuff, uh, data that I'm literally not familiar with at all. Like I have, even though it's healthcare, it's just a subset of healthcare. Sure. But no, but sometimes you don't know something, right? Like you can be certainly curious. And I think for me, it's, It's being curious about uh, not just the topic, um, not just, you know, also like what the data is telling me or what it's not telling me. It's also being curious about how can I, right? Curious about myself. Like how can I uh, visualize this? How can I make this uh, insightful? How can I, um, you know, bring change or insights, right? Like it's all these things about, um, you know, kind of feeding your, your curiosity, which I think feeds your creativity, you know, your engagement with your clients. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, I don't think you do good work if you're not yeah. really thinking through all
0: that. So, so when you're working with a client and you're having this process and you, you know, they're giving you their data or you're going out and grabbing the data, to what extent do you feel like you as the visualization or, or dashboard creator need to know... The content, like, yeah, there's there's like this spectrum, right? Like, you need to understand, obviously, the data, like, oh, this is missing, and you know why is this like an outlier and all that. But like you mentioned, you have some clients where like they're working that in parts of healthcare that you don't you know have familiarity with. So how far down the road yeah. as the as the data viz person do you go to like understand the content, like how and how far down that road do you go usually?
1: Uh, sometimes pretty far. I mean, yeah. um So. So I work for me, I work in an organization called Health Data Viz. And obviously, we're able to be very hyper-focused on one sector, right, of the business world or whatever. So as I was suggesting earlier, even within healthcare, there are plenty of things, even as someone who's only ever worked in healthcare, don't know yet, right? right. But I couldn't imagine having any variety of business sectors that as a consultant to have to figure out how to do retail to finance to healthcare to social technology whatever i think that would be very difficult because your level of knowledge to be able to ask the right questions um i think would be very limited and so for us it's not someone saying here's my data right just visualize it we're engaging in really deep you know deep conversations about challenging clients too of is this the right metric what does this mean Based on what this means, is it most appropriate? Like, do we need to do like a year over year or is it like Mm -hmm. trending forward? Like some of this stuff all makes does matter based on what the metrics are, what the organization does. Like, there's just a lot of questions you wouldn't know to ask, I think. Um, And it does, I think, help you better design because you're understanding how someone's really going to use it, right? Like, you know, the questions of asking about persona development and how these people are going to use this dashboard because you could put yourself potentially in that position and say, if I'm trying to get the answer to this question, I know which metrics I'm going to look at in which order, because I understand what they are. Right. And so therefore they should go here in this placement. There's just a lot of things that I think it is important to know as much as you can. I mean, you know, obviously limit, but, um, we do a lot of like interviews so we can ask really detailed questions, like beyond just what is the metric definition, right? It's, yeah. Tell me about how you use this report. Tell me about how you, you think through these things that you do have currently on the page. Like, where do you go next, and what's your next right. question, like from an actual user
0: standpoint? And is that uh, is that process formalized? Like, do you have a thing that they need to fill out, or is that just in your kickoff conversation or kickoffs conversations? Yeah. You you know having the data is that just like an informal like you have a conversation, you then Lindsay go in and play with the data. Then you have another conversation to be able to ask them some questions. Or is there like a more formal process where you're like, here's the thing we need you to fill out.
1: Yeah. There's a bit more formal in terms of our discovery. Um, we spend a lot of time to try to do that discovery work. And depending on the client, we often do a a number of interviews. So large clients, we might do like 20 interviews with people who are using their data. It's a smaller organization, a smaller project, maybe it's one or two. Um, And, and, you know, we lay out some of the the questions in advance. Sometimes it's a little more informal trying to just understand how they use it, but it provides a ton of knowledge, both for making sure we're designing to the right person, right? But also it really helps us get that big framework of the scope of the data and understanding it in a way that you're just not going to get if someone hands you a file and says, all right, you know, here's all the stuff, but visualize it. Here's kind of what we want it to look like, or here's... We need on the page but you're kind of tasked to really understand it i think there's something missing if if you don't get more of those inner details
0: yeah so um we've talked a lot about tableau and i'm sure you use a whole other suite of tools in and around tableau but i've noticed over the last few weeks or whatever you've been uh Writing about and doing some videos on Figma, folks where I work at Urban, love Figma, and I was just curious if you could talk a little bit about how you've been incorporating it, what you like about it, you know, how you integrate your Figma work and then into Tableau.
1: Yeah, so so I've been using Figma for a little over a year, um, although not as intensely until probably this year. Um, you know, I stumbled upon it more as someone recommended an alternative to making like shapes in PowerPoint. Right, but I think. If that's all you're thinking that Figma is, then you're really missing out because um, the tool does a ton more. And so, as a very similar story to my um, getting (laughs) at my organization in my previous job, (laughs)
0: you got
1: Figma at my organization at my current job. Again, uh, just showing value and being like, I think this will really uh, up our game too with our clients. And and so far, that has proven to be accurate. Um, So, the things I'll say is, You know, in just general sense, I think Figma adds an ability to customize um, your visualization in the sense of whether it be, um, you know, clearly it's more about like adding images to a visualization. But then you're kind of, uh, you don't have something like an illustrator background, which is obviously the next tier up for a simple type of being able to design. Although. You know, those are using Illustrator, using it for a lot of other different purposes. But, um, you know, so yeah, you can create icons, you can create background images, you can create titles, like anything that just might make your visualization better, um, you can definitely do in Sigma. But the real, I think, value beyond just um, some of that enhancing a visualization through, you know, visual images or what have you, um, is we use it a lot for prototyping. And so I can actually create an entire dashboard in Figma without having data. So the benefit is, is when we're working with clients and particularly with pretty large scale projects, um, we could spend months trying to make kind of this quote unquote low fidelity, though it ends up being pretty high fidelity because <laughs> pretty nice in Figma. But you can make this whole dashboard and hook it up with actual interactivity and so mm. you can play through this for a client saying, Hey, look, this is what landing page is going to look like. You click here. You're going to go to this report. You hover over this. Here's an example of a tooltip. You click this, you'll go to this report. It'll filter here, like all this stuff. And then a client can really understand what the end product is going to look like, but they can also make comments say, no, I don't like that. Move that here, change this color, whatever. From like high things to wrong metric to, you know, really detailed stuff. Like I said, like wrong color that is way easier to fix and modify in the fly or just uh, iterate than when you're actually working with real data and you have to like change calculations or change yeah. the whole, like whole worksheets. Like that's a pain. Um, so I think it adds a lot of value to being able to kind of show proof of concept to a client and it's really easy to use. So that's the two ways I use it is um, images enhancing my visualization icons, but also, this prototyping aspect um which so
0: you're literally drawing out in, in some cases drawing out the dashboard with shapes and just sort of bar chart you know rectangles as bars yep um before having to actually go to tableau and build that thing out yes interesting yeah
1: and designing it to like their specifications of right i'll put in their logo and i'll we'll make um, I'll draw a little like example filters. Like it'll look, it'll look just like Tableau, yeah. but I'm doing it in Sigma. And, um, so it's a pretty cool tool with how easy it is to use. I've found, mm-hmm. um, I think the learning curve is pretty low. Like it's pretty yeah. easy to, to get the hang of, which I think adds a lot of value. Um, and yeah, like I said, even if we're not doing a prototyping thing, I've used it just to design like a landing page because it's going to be much really slick in in sigma and then you mm-hmm. know, to just add the navigation buttons in tableau but then they have something that looks really slick when they enter their dashboard and the rest of it might be completely done in tableau without any additional outside like images or tools. Sure. but you know sometimes it's a little adding a little pizzazz um you can do in figma so
0: yeah that's great no that's great to know um and i'll put a link to the Uh, to the figma tool on the show notes so people can can check it out um yeah like i said i have a few designer friends who who really like it i mean there's i think there's this a lot of these newer tools seem to be sort of democratizing design in a way which i'm sure some graphic designers don't like and i'm Mm -hmm. sure others do i mean it's a double-edged sword in some ways but um yeah being able to do that in sort of a you know digital sketching way sounds like it can be really valuable
1: i was never good at sketching like by hand for whatever reason so i found it easier plus you can right. actually share it so you can collaborate which is cool cuz then my colleagues can go in they can like see what i've done they you know we can see our, each other's work um, which you can't you know unfortunately like unless you have tableau server which we don't as a client or as a consultant cuz the clients have it i don't always right. see my colleagues work unless they're like showing it or i'm like digging around to look at their dashboards right so it's a nice way to see like their design thinking um, and what they're yeah. the building in tableau kind of right there too so
0: right very cool um well i think the the moral of the story from today is um if someone wants to figure out what new tool they should buy they should just hire you (laughs) and then you could (laughs) at some point you'll be like hey we should get blah blah blah," and there you go right (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh thanks so much uh it was great chatting with you um i love hearing these stories of you know Just like, I'm just going to do this thing better. And then just like being successful at it. It's just, just a great story. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great chatting.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, John. Thanks.
0: Thanks for everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the show. If you'd like to learn more about Lindsay's work or any of the projects that we mentioned during our discussion, head over to the show notes. You can check out all of the links. If you'd like to support the show, please share it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you watch your podcasts. And if you'd like to be a financial supporter, please consider going over to our PayPal page or to our Patreon page so that you can help me support all the folks that help bring the show, audio editing, transcription, design, promotion, all the stuff that's needed to bring the show to you. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people helped bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The PolicyViz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.